a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution forgiven. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins, which we're supposed to be conquering, have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is is putting to death the old the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. Kind of like nodding your head like you're listening when you're thinking about something else. This is Table Talk Radio. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So we're going to do some Ten Commandments in the News today, Pastor Wolfmuller. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, really. You can't you're see ho- me not- you're hosting, nodding my head. You're, host- <laughs> you're hosting the show. Wake up. Hey, co-host. That's a much less, you know, <laughs> you know, co-hosting Sorry. is to hosting as monergism is to synergism. <laughs> True. <laughs> Look, I only get partial part of the glory, which is why the listener only gets partial comfort. <laughs> Do you see how you see what I did there? You see how I immediately went from totally disinterested to making fun of Calvinists like this drop of the hat. You are pretty good at that. Does it come naturally to you? I am so happy because I just finished doing this interview with the My Big Jesus podcast, these Calvinists, and they just, it was just free range, man. They just let me go at it. It was a, it was beautiful. If anybody's listening, by the way, because they heard about us on the My Big Jesus podcast, welcome. Glad any, you have you with us. Any T- big... minus 45 minutes until you're Lutheran. <laughs> any big takeaways? Is your Jesus bigger now that you had gone on the podcast? Or no, like not not too much. Not not too much doctrine change, but he, he, you know, the guy was great. He was really great. Uh, Chris Lawson is the host over there, and he, we're hoping to do this again sometime. Maybe we'll have him on our show. He says, when I'm not hosting, I'm sarcastic. And I said, well, that's what, you know, that's what we're after. Perfect. All right. Um, well, we're going to do some tinkments in the news. We're going to do a little uh, Bible Bee, uh, Table Talk oh, Radio yeah. Classics. But, but I want to play a quick game with you. Are you, are you ready? Uh, yes. Remember that game you used to play? Um, answer the question as yes. I want to do that real with you. I just I've been thinking about something. I want to see how you respond to this 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 question. So um, the question is, um, what does Romans eight twenty eight mean? You know what that verse says? Uh, all things work together for the good. Is that the yeah. one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. What does Romans eight twenty eight mean? And answer this question as a Calvinist. All things work together for the good of those who love Christ and are called according to His purpose. As a Calvinist. That verse means that everybody who's elect is going to get into heaven, and everybody who's not, you're out of luck. Okay, uh, answer that question as a Lutheran. Uh, it means that everything works together for the good of those who love Christ and are called according to his purpose. <laughs> How come you just read the verse again when you described it? Oh, well, us? there you go. That's, <laughs> if, we, if we mean anything other than, hey, what the Bible says is true, when we say Lutheran, 
then we've got the wrong definition of Lutheran. <laughs> well, okay. Let, let, let me let me oh, explain my thought process. But, uh, on but this. I'll t- I mean, maybe I'll say a little bit more. Is this okay. is that we so we we look around and we see like oh man everything's falling apart. But the scripture tells us that hey everything that the Lord does sit on the throne in heaven and He's working everything out for the good of His church. Ephesians one. That's 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 the rule of Christ the, uh, of the cosmos is for the benefit of the church. And so this verse is reminding us of that and calling us to trust in Christ even in the midst of suffering and sorrow and so forth. That's what I would say. Yeah, because this is this is kind of what I've been thinking about. I mean, that's that's kind of a, a go-to verse. I, I use that verse a lot in pastoral care, especially in context of suffering, as you mentioned. And um, I was thinking about that, and I, and I think that um, the way that a Calvinist perhaps might take the verse is just in the context of this great sovereign God who is at control of this, you know, steering wheel, and he's not going to let anything outside of his will come to be. Ah, I see what you're getting at. And, and I, I mean, I guess that's true. I don't want to deny that truth. But I think what, what, uh, how we see this verse come to be is through the suffering of Christ, so that I now know uh, that in the midst of my suffering, I'm not suffering at the wrath of God, which otherwise I would not know if not for the promise of God, the promise of Jesus. But with the promise of Jesus, having uh, knowing that Christ has died for me, I can know that God's working all things together for good because he has, in a sense, sanctified my suffering uh, for that to be um, not a measure of God's wrath and punishment for sin, but now I know my suffering is the way in which God shows me that he loves me, and in that way it's working together for good. Man, I've been reading Luther sermons, you know how I read the Luther sermons? That's my other podcast. (laughs) I like how your other podcast requires no creative work whatsoever. It's kind of like, well, this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Anything I could do around here that doesn't require thought? Oh, I could read. I just read a Luther sermon and then stop and post it. Anywho, <laughs> that's what I do. But Luther preaches this all the time, that our suffering proves God's love. Now, we, we always think that our suffering proves either God's disinterest or his anger or whatever. That's why the suffering causes such a problem for us. But Luther is a precisely the opposite, is that our suffering is proof of God's great love for us. And you say, prove that from the Bible. Well, Hebrews reminds us, that God chastens those whom he loves. That's the proof right there. Ah, good. Well, uh, with that out of the way, let's go to our buzzwords, Pastor. Sacerdotalism. <laughs> nice. Was that going to be yours or what? Yes. I don't. I was going to, you know what would be a fun game to play? You might be a sacerdotalist if. I'm going to go over to the Table Talk Radio page here on the Facebook, and I'll bet you they can finish that. We, we won't even have to do We'll just let it happen over here. How do I get to that page? Uh, sacerdotalism, it's a, that's actually a tricky word to define. It's mostly used as a slur. And I think as a slur, it, it, it means that it's people who um, think that only the pastor can do uh, ministry kind of things, which I, I guess is true because they actually have the office of the ministry. But, but sacerdotalism is used to say that... Um, that you're exalting the pastor over the people. What do you think about that definition? Exalting the pastor over the people. I, mean, I, I think sp- that. I suppose. I mean, I don't know exactly. Here, you might be a sacerdotalist if it's gonna. This is gonna just start rolling in here. So give me a couple minutes. Okay. 
Well, there wasn't nearly enough time to stall for me to get a buzzword, but I'll go with what I what I got hey, here. Hey, look, three people want to join the Facebook group. Let's see how many of them want to uh, sell sunglasses to. By the way, are you still doing that thing, the uh, cult of pure doctrine? Is that still a thing? Yeah, it's kind of stalled out. Okay. Like most things that I do. The only reason this radio show is still going is because you, you know, call me every week. <laughs> call to get you out of bed. <laughs> uh, okay, well, my theological buzz phrase for you is means of grace. And uh, this is the idea that God uh, uses tangible material things to bestow his uh, divine gifts. And uh, namely, when we're talking about the means of grace, we're talking about the bestowing of the forgiveness of sins. So if we were to take the Bible and see the the ways in which uh, God promises the forgiveness of sins, we would see that it is promised uh, in his word, it is promised in the gift of baptism, and it is promised in the Lord's Supper. So we'd say that these are the means of grace. They're the channels, the conduits, the vehicles through which uh, God delivers the forgiveness of sins. I got it. All right. Well, uh, let's start with a little Ten Commandments in the news. All right. <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got one here if you want it. Uh, I'm pulling one up here. Here, uh, here it is. Okay, I, I, I beat you to it. Doctor's plan for full-body transplants raises doubts even in daring China. Okay. I'm ready for... Harbin, China. Six years ago, Wang Haoming was paralyzed from the neck down after being injured wrestling with a friend. Today, he hopes he has found the answer to a walk, to walking again, a new body for his head. Mr. Wang, a 62-year-old retired gas company worker, is one of several people in China who have volunteered for a body transplant at a hospital in the northern Chinese city of Harbin. The idea for a body transplant is the kind of thinking that has experts around the world alarmed at how far China is pushing the ethical and practical limits of science. Such a... I sh- sorry, let me say... Science. <laughs> you have to say the word science with, with reverence, like awe in your voice. Like, you know, science. Okay. Such a transplant is impossible, at least for now, according to leading doctors and experts, including some in China, who point to the difficulty of connecting nerves in the spinal cord. Failure would mean the death of the patient. (laughs) As a statement of the obvious. (laughs) The orthopedic surgeon proposing the operation, Dr. Zen Zingaping of Harbin Medical University, who assisted in the first hand transplant in the United States in 1999, said he would not be deterred. In an interview, Dr. Rin said that he was building a team, that research was underway, and that the operation would take place when we are ready. Hmm. So there's some commandments in there, and I'm going to try and figure out what they are. I'm going to do that during this commercial break. You are listening to Table Talk Radio. During the break, to take a visit over to tabletalkradio.org. And on that website, tabletalkradio.org, you'll see a beautiful golden button that says donate and see what that does if you click it. <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening <laughs> to Table it. Talk Radio.
It's really classy up here. Table Talk Radio will be right back. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. back on Table Talk Radio. Right. We are playing the game Ten Commandments in the News. And Pastor Wolfner read a story about a full-body transplant or something like that. Oh my goodness, look at this. Photographs on the wall of Dr. Rin's lab at Harbin Medical University showed his experiments on body transplants in mice. The mice lived only for a day after the procedure. I would say that's less than successful. This is so be like, but they didn't they didn't take the head off. It's like a mouse with two heads, so they don't. Like doctor, is there anything that we can do? Well, we can do a body transplant, but it'll only extend your life by a day. <laughs> this is it. Kind of creeps me out. Even just like my stomach is a little bit churning. That's because you're looking at mice with this. two heads. That might be it. This is weird. Uh, okay, so commandments. I think this is still a fifth commandment issue. It's an interesting thing within this doctrine of vocation, this idea that uh, God is working uh, through people to accomplish his good, and he sets up the office of doctor for a particular reason. Uh, you know, sometimes we think that a doctor just kind of came along when the universities came about, but there have been doctors, physicians for a long time, in fact, uh, Luke, the gospel writer, is a physician. Uh, also, Jesus talks about um, the physician. Uh, uh, it's not the healthy who need a physician, but, it, but the sick. Um, so there is this office of doctor, and he or she has the office, the vocation, of, uh, of doing good and helping, um, bringing life, uh, to the patient, and um, insofar as these kind of experimental projects go um, that are not given to extend the God-given life that he's given us, uh, I would say that's a fifth commandment issue. Yes. Here's an interesting line, which is, has to do with what you're talking about. Whether it's ethical or not, this is a person's life, added Dr. Wren. There is nothing higher than a life, and that's the core of ethics. Wow. That's pretty good. Mm. I like that. Mm -hmm. I think that um, that doctor should address those who were uh, crying about the gorilla that got shot in saving the life of the boy. Oh, yeah. That's a crazy story. Have we talked about that one on here? No. No. Hmm. Nope. We saved the obscure articles like (laughs) full-body transplants. Isn't that weird to think about? In the this news. is like science fiction stuff. Yeah. The whole yeah. world is crazy these days. Uh, I would anyway. say there's a first commandment issue in this, too, um, that it's the Lord who gives life and the Lord who takes life and no one else. Um, so insofar as a person uh, tries to take the role of God or take, take up God's vocation of giving life and taking life, uh, it's a first commandment issue. Um. There's uh, a fourth commandment issue, and that there's ethics boards, so that there's uh, a governing 
board of some sort to say this is ethical or this is not ethical. Now, we have to be careful with those ethics boards because usually and at the hospital where they're trying to do something questionable, the ethics board is the don't feel guilty about this board. So they, <laughs> so they do this thing that's unethical, but, but the ethics board says it was okay, so therefore we can sleep at night. It's like an ex- it's a, like an external hardening of the conscience. Right, right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's all the commandments I got. Unless you got something else. No, that's about it for the abyss. Except for the, whatever commandment says. Hey, this is weird. But I don't know what commandment that is. Don't do weird stuff. Might be the eleventh or something. <clears throat> okay. Uh, this is from the Oregonian. Headline says. No boss office brings back the boss. We were naive. What is what does that mean? Uh, well, you'll, you'll see. Portland okay. online education company Treehouse generated national attention in 2013 when it eliminated bosses. It was a radical experiment in empowering employees, giving workers the authority to propose their own projects, manage themselves, and evaluate each other. It didn't work. After two years, Treehouse scuttled the experiment. Chief Executive, uh, Chief Executive Ryan Carson said employees felt adrift, lonely islands with no support, and he made the painful decision to reverse course and install a traditional management structure. Now, I'm going to pause. Why did he get to decide that they're going to reverse course? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if, if they're all— He's not the boss. <laughs> Who are you? I mean, <laughs> if someone can pull the plug on this project, it shows— Nobody was actually equal, anyway. Uh, Carrie and I were talking about that the other day, how when you, in a void, people will assume different roles, and there's always going to be someone who's going to be the boss. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Carson said, we were naive. Uh, it was hopeful. It felt bad, though, to admit things weren't working. The no-boss approach was a core part of Treehouse's identity, Carson said. And something from employees deeply appreciated. Treehouse was among a handful of companies that won accolades by experimenting with the completely flat organizational structure. The no-boss approach was fine when Treehouse was a small company. It employed 61 in, in 2013, but Carson said it became an obstacle for the business as Treehouse grew north of 100 workers. Projects went unfinished, Carson said, and there was no one to hold accountable. Hmm. Hmm. What was the title of this article again? The headline, I mean? Uh, no Boss Office Brings Back the Boss. We Were Naive. <sighs> no Boss. Okay, got it. Now I got what's going on. <sighs> okay. Um, that's all you're going to give me? I'd say, you know, this... Hmm. The chief commandment at work in this story is the fourth commandment. Uh, honor your father and mother which is the establishment of the estates and authorities um, in the world. So remember we say we should fear and love God so we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities. Uh, the, old, the, 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 the German, where Luther said it, said, or our masters, which basically means bosses, so that there is an established authority uh, in the world. So, you know, for example, in marriage, the authority is the husband. In, in the home, the authority is the parents. Uh, in the world, the authority is the officials. If you go to the gym, by the way, they determine authority by body fat percentage. Whoever has the you know, <laughs> smallest body fat, oh, that's the authority. I was like, there. man, I'd be like a king there. Look at me. 
but it's the, it's <laughs> the other way around. <laughs> Dang it. You walk in all jiggly. Who's in charge here? Listen up. <laughs> I know. That's why I go to the gym, and you know there's like these 13-year-old girls. Who, hey, you got to run. Who are you? Look at my body fat percentage. is like 0.3. I'm in charge here. Now go out and be condescending. <laughs> No, that's uh, so. And there's a, you know, there's an authority at work, too. Now, there's different ways that we can arrange this according to human arrangement, like we do even in the church where we say, hey, uh, there's only one office of pastor. But we say, well, we should pick one pastor to walk around and make sure that everything's working with all the different churches. Which is oftentimes also by body fat percentage. (laughs) In fact, we should just do that. Will Whedon would be the synod president, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the only pa- no, I meant I the mean, other way. What? I meant the other way. Oh, usually no, it's no, no. <laughs> Job of the Hut. It's usually the guy who drinks the most beer is the pastor. <laughs> I can drink you under the table. I'm your pastor. Yeah. <laughs> now this is uh we can do this by human arrangement in the church and in at bosses, but there's some there's gotta be somebody that has the authority in a place, or else it is like we, what we like to identify is chaos. Hmm. You and your silent letters. I, it is interesting to me that there is this inbred desire to not have authority. So, I mean, what a great idea. I'm going to go work at this place where there's no bosses. And that would certainly be appealing. But the problem is it doesn't produce work. <laughs> that God is a God of order. And if anything is going to get done in this life, in this world, it's because there's an order, there's a structure in place. And to abandon that order is to um, live in a world that is, uh, of course, disorderly, which is not a world where the neighbor is served. (laughs) I mean, the people who are suffering were the clients of this company, Hmm. I would think. That's right. Well, it depends on what they made, you know. Like, for example, if we didn't have a boss around here, you know... (laughs) We might not produce a show, and that would not lead to further suffering. <laughs> so, if by the, the way, company, am I your boss? I think oh, I am. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's man. good to know. I'm glad to have that in. And you're a boss by human arrangement, which means that the fourth commandment does not apply. By the way, what? That's not true. Yeah, you have no coercion. Yes, I do. <laughs> Watch. Nobody can hear him now. Now what? Now what? Yeah, that's right. It's kind of nice not having Pastor Wolfman around. Okay, I'll bring him back. Okay, <laughs> that was executive there. session. <laughs> yeah. I have no course of power. You watch I me. S- I said some hilarious stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to say that's Fourth Commandment is what that is. Is, it make, is he going to go with it? Yeah, Fourth Commandment. I think that's good. And that'll bring us to the end of this uh, game of uh, great joy and fun. Ten Commandments, Ten commandments in the News. In the news. Oh, but yeah. uh, don't you worry. There is a round of... Bible B coming up right after this break where Pastor Wolf and I give each other verses, try to guess what book of the Bible it's in, and then say, is this law and or gospel? That's the game, and we'll be playing it right on right on the other side of this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The phone number is 1-800-385-ZOLA. Oh, 
talking about going crazy. What do you expect? Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. When I can't sleep, I listen to Table Talk Radio. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Ain't no sunshine when she's yeah. gone. It's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And she's always gone too long anytime. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Pastor, I think the don't stop the song, man. That is a Sorry. That's why we have these hits as bump music, so that people will listen to the show. Don't worry, in 11 more minutes, you'll hear another bump song. All right, um, I think the rules to Bible B are pretty self-explanatory, but explain how law gospel works. Okay. Uh, so there's some law that is the, uh, uh, you know, God's commands, uh, Ten Commandments and such, that says, hey, uh, don't do this, and also uh, do this. Uh, that's the law. And the law, because we're sinners, always condemns us. It's like a mirror that shows us our own sinfulness. The gospel, on the other hand, is not a command, but a promise. And it's not conditional. It is unconditional. It is pure grace and mercy. It is the death of Jesus brought to the sinner, their ears and conscience, uh, for the the comfort uh, and uh, and not uh, clarity, the comfort and the peace that Jesus would give to us. That That's the work of the gospel. So these two words are throughout Holy Scripture, and they are to be distinguished from one another. Remember that old line in the Lutheran Confessions that says, the distinction between law and gospel is a most brilliant light which illuminates the, all of the Scriptures. So that, you know, seeing the difference between law and gospel is like flipping the light on in the Bible. You can read it. Sweet. Um, okay, so uh, I'll give you a verse. I'll give you three verses, and then you guess what. That was really like a. I just thought I was transported back to the nineties. <laughs> Sweet. Are you ready for your round one? Instead of instead of you know when, when you finish preaching, you know, that's what people should say. And and this comfort is to you from Christ. Amen. And everyone would say, instead of saying, amen, they'd say, sweet. And all God's people said, sweet. Sweet. <laughs> all right, here's a round one for Bible B. <laughs> you get three verses, and only three, no more. And they are as follows. <sighs> Two are better than okay. one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when he is not uh, when 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 there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm, and how can one be warm alone? That's like a marriage verse right there, by the way. Uh, I think this is practical advice here. You know, business and marriage, this sort of thing. Uh, I think it's Old Testament, and I think, in fact, in fact... I think I know the book that this comes from, and that is Ecclesiastes. So, what is the book of Ecclesiastes? You're right. I was I was hoping you were going to guess Proverbs, but you got it. Ecclesiastes. Yeah, I got it, man. I got it. Proverbs is... The wisdom of Proverbs is better 
than the wisdom of Ecclesiastes. You get this, I mean, Ecclesiastes is Solomon becoming a bit of a, uh, he's just, you get, you, you hear in, in Ecclesiastes, I mean, it's not that it's, it's wrong, but it's just, there's a, there's a little bit more of a darkness in it. You know what I mean? Hmm. So, hmm. Okay. Anyway. Interesting. Well, I'll give you, uh, that's a hundred points, but can you say whether that is law or gospel? Uh, that's law right there, and in, in the law in the sense of good advice. So it's not even necessarily like condemning law. It's just, uh, it's just, uh, you know, just advice kind of thing. I'm gonna, this I'm out. gonna tell Carrie that uh, two is better than one is law for you. <laughs> hey, there's benefits. In fact, we to have her on the line. Carrie, are you? There? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're lucky no one listens to the show. <laughs> or else it might make it back to her. I don't know. If I had a dollar every time I thought that, how lucky I am that nobody listens to this show, I'd be rich. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll give you 100 points. Oh, no. You need more for that. Yeah. Um, what do you get? Two, 200 for Law Gospel? So you're at a total of 300. 200 for Law Gospel. You don't even know because I've never hardly gotten the book right. That's true. I thought... Okay, I know you. I know you. Hasn't happens. You get points or something after that. I don't really remember. <laughs> All right, give me a round one. Ready for yours? Yes. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore. Since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Whoa. Um, Okay, well, I remember that Jesus gives us this warning that the end will be like a thief in the night. And, of course, the big point there is... Um, you know, whenever someone breaks into your house or uh, robs you blind, <laughs> uh, you, of course, are never expecting it. I mean, if you're expecting it, you would just wait there and wait for the guy to show up with your with your uh, Second Amendment right there with you. But, um, but because you, it's been... Bro- what's what? your Second Amendment. Yeah, I mean, ah. you're not going to just say, hey, I was expecting you. I mean, you're going to be like, hey. But anyway, um, so... Whenever it happens, it comes unexpectedly. And that's the point of the return of Christ. It's not an expected time. And so I've always thought, you know, these guys like Harold Camping and others who predict the end, I always think, you know, I don't know when it's going to be, but I know it's not May 22nd, 2000, whatever. Uh, Because the fact that you're saying it is automatically disqualifies that day from the return because Christ says no one knows. And the fact that you say you know, okay, anyway. Um, so this this happens in Jesus's discourse on end times, and there's a section of that in the Gospel of Matthew. I think that also comes up in well, it's in the Synoptics, uh, so uh, Mark and Luke as well. But I think this is going to come from the Gospel according to Saint Matthew. No, you want to guess again? Not really. <laughs> Now, this comes from from Second Peter chapter uh, three. Peter, right down the road from Matthew, you were in the right testament. 
I had the right author, Jesus. Second Peter three. That's a, I think that sounds like the Holy Spirit. I think, I think this is the inspired word of God. Second uh, Peter three ten eleven and twelve. Yep, that talks about the imminence of Christ and mm-hmm. the earth dissolving. That's you know the nuclear war. So here's the interesting thing about the return of Christ is that the return of Christ can be law and or gospel. It's certainly gospel for uh, Christians, for believers, who uh, are praying, come Lord Jesus. I mean, in the midst of our suffering, we're looking forward to Christ's return when uh, he brings us to heaven with himself. But for the unbeliever, the one who does not have faith in Christ and have um, the promise of everlasting life, the the end is a matter of, of great judgment. Uh, he's coming to judge the quick and the dead. Um, and I think this is the the perspective that Peter's uh, taking it here of uh, of this this warning of saying that uh, we we should not um, be lazy. We should not think that repentance is not of necessity. We should be taking the perspective that we should be ones of repentance, uh, trusting in God's promises, lest we be caught unaware. So I'm going to go law on this. I think you're right. I think you're right. Still got zero. But. Zero points. All right. All right, I'm ready for more. I'm killing it. Mm, okay. Um, let's see. Where was I going to go on this one? Oh, you were thinking a hard one, but you already did Ecclesiastes, so now you're thinking Esther. Yeah, Esther. That's where I was going. All right. Um, the people rushed greedily upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. What? I'll even read it again. The people rushed greedily upon the spoil, and took sheep and oxen and calves, and slew them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. That's a whole verse right there. I've never... Hmm. Okay. (laughs) So it's narrative... Uh, so it's, you know, it's kind of history part. It seems like I would, you know, so in the New Testament, you got the, the major narratives are the, are the, are the gospels and the book of Acts. In the Old Testament, you have all the histories. I want to read it one more time. Okay. Um, where was it again? I'm I'm listening to see if you're flipping forward or the, backward. Oh, I'm going off of the digital Bible, so that wouldn't help you. The people rushed greedily upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Okay, so so the point that, that it's pointing out that this is so the people rushing greedily so that they're in some sort of distress and then they're eating the animals the animals are clean but they're eating them with the blood that is in violation of the kosher laws and so this text seems like it would be a a text that would be bringing a rebuke to the people uh sh- showing how they've forsaken the lord and and abandon his ways. I don't see. I don't think it's an Exodus text or even a a Moses text. It's got to come later in the histories. Man, I just don't know. I got to meditate on this text. All right, over the chew break. the cud for a little bit. Maybe it'll come to you. <laughs> You're listening to Table Talk Ready. We are in round two of Bible B. 
Uh, Pastor Wolfmiller is temporarily in the lead, but don't worry, I get my round two and round three coming up in the last segment of Table Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Two theologians for the price of none. Table Talk Radio will be right back. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, where Pastor Wolf Miller is a bit like a cow looking at a new gate with this round two of Bible Bee. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best picture. I read it. Luther uses it all over the place. I read it uh, some sermon. He says, it's like a cow looking at a door. It's just <laughs> best. That is the best. <laughs> And uh, the verse before him that he is staring at like a cow staring at a door is this verse that says, uh, The people rushed greedily upon the spoil. They took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. I So this has got to be a history thing. It's got to be when Israel is falling apart. Uh, so I, my, I think it's going to be later in the, you know, after Solomon... Uh, but before the Babylonian captivity, I'm going to go with Second Chronicles. <clears throat> nope, hmm. you were looking for First Samuel, oh, and this man. is where Saul. Um, uh, well, Jonathan kind of gets uh, in trouble with the Philistines, and then um, the Lord delivers Israel, and then uh, Saul puts this uh, prohibition, this oath upon them of not eating before. Uh, before evening, and Jonathan didn't hear about it, and uh, and then he says, um, you know, oh, well here, uh, verse twenty nine. Uh, th- so this is First Samuel chapter fourteen. Then Samuel, then Jonathan said, "My father has troubled the land. See now, how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more if only the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they had found." For now, the, the slaughter among the Philistines has not been great. So hmm. that's where they go in and kill and eat and eat with the blood. Hmm. There you go. Okay, can you I make think, heads or tails of this in, in terms of law and gospel? Yeah, this, I, this is going to be... I don't know. Well, so the, at some point, there's. I, I think we invented a category which is narrative, which is like getting you to the law or getting you to the gospel. This fits into that. Um but you know it's probably it's especially with the legal restriction for eating blood and the people kind of heedlessly being opposed by a king and then uh and then rushing with greed to eat etc this is probably going to be a an example of um of uh, sin and and in every different direction and so that that's going to put this in the realm of law i'd say all right i'll give you credit for that so zero all right i'm ready for round two ready he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves 
but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Huh. So this could be any book of the Bible. <laughs> Probably the New Testament. Uh, give it to me again, please. But, uh, oh, sorry, no but. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's in the New Testament. It's going to be an epistle. Uh, but that's that's as good as I'm getting on this one. Um, I'm thinking like first or second John, perhaps. Um, could be a Pauline epistle like... Um, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, <laughs> or any of the of the others. Uh, hmm. It's nice though. I like it that he died for all. And hmm. all right, I'm just gonna just throw out a guess. Here's here's my half court shot. How about how about Romans? Close. Second Corinthians chapter uh, five verse fifteen. Uh, <laughs> such, such pain. Okay, Second Corinthians what? Second uh, Corinthians five fifteen. Ah, okay. This is right down the street from he who knew no sin became sin for us. Right, right, right. right. right yep. um, okay, so that he died for all, and if um, if uh, we're playing the game, answer what does this mean as a Lutheran? All means everybody. If we're playing, what does this mean as a Calvinist? All means elect. Um, so that they... Uh, I love so, it. So that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but he who died and rose again on their behalf. So that now, in as Christians, there is a... Uh, what? A context for the life that we live that... Um, I mean... Apart apart from redemption, apart from regeneration, we live only for ourselves. It's all about number one. What gets me the most money? What gets me the most attention, the biggest spotlight, et cetera, et cetera, power, whatever it is. Um, but when a person is regenerated, that is brought to faith in Christ, the purpose of one's life, one's being, is not... Um, for themselves, but now it's for the purpose of the one who died for them, Christ himself. Uh, this is an emphasis on the gospel, uh, what Christ has done for us. So this is gospel. Right. Uh, there's some law in there, too, but yeah, there's, it's, you're right. There gospel. is law, yeah. I mean, uh, so, I mean, you could say, uh, okay, now who of you lives, uh, never lives for themselves, or who of you lives perfectly for God? But But see, that is a... Um, that is a fruit of faith, the fact that we would live for him. So I'm, I'm sticking with gospel on this. Yep, yep, good. Score is 300 to zero, and we're entering the last round of I Bible I got a good B. one for the rest, last round for you, by the way. Do you? It's a one that you might actually get. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to set people's expectations, including <laughs> yours, too high. But it's rare that there's a one-word clue that's actually possible to get. Anyway. Just telling you. Good, good. Well, I am um, looking here, and I'm going to go with the word. Oh, interesting. Princess. According to my list here, princess is used in the Bible one time. Oh, huh. princess. I'm going to validate that, but uh, go ahead. 
I know. That's from, oh, what is it? Uh, Esther. Esther is the princess of the king, oh, whatever his name was. Was it Ahasuerus or was it, what was his name? Tiglath Pileser? Anyway. What's your uh, translation of choice? Uh, oh, um, the World, World English Bible, Web, that public domain Bible. It's pretty nice. But I, I also will use the New King James sometimes. I'm going with worldwide English. Is that the same thing? Nope. Oh, really? Oh, never mind then. Oh, there it is right there. There it is. Yeah, web. You got it? Yeah. It's nice. It's one of the very few public domain translations of the scripture. Love it. Um, uh, Yeah, Esther. What is the book of Esther? Ah, hmm. I need to. I need. I need to confer with uh, you some like kind Alex of Alex Trebek, a panel. and you need the, the rules. Yeah, I don't know. Well, just tell me, because if you th- if you're having this much trouble, the answer is yes. I got it right. <laughs> well, see, the problem is the key. The the word I gave you for the one one word entry, I gave it to you in the singular, and you have selected a book that uses the word in its plural form. Oh, for heaven's sake! <laughs> and. I don't know how to, how to, how to do this. Um, the, the word is only used in its singular form one time in the Bible. Yeah. Used in its plural form, form in other Bible, including the book of Esther. Yeah. So Esther 1.18 says, Today the princesses of Persia and Midia. Yeah. Um, however, the word princess in its singular form is used in Lamentations 1.1. Um, how the city sits uh, solit- solitary that was full of people. She has become a widow who is great among the nations. She who, uh, she who was a princess among the providences has become a tributary. Huh. So there is the singular form. So I don't know. I'll give you half. How's that sound? I'll give you 150. Uh, half. 150. Half. And then I'll, I'll do law gospel on that verse because that's easy. That's law. Huh. <laughs> Describe how's it long? Yeah, yeah, it's the humiliation of. I mean, lamentations is is a lament to the destruction of Jerusalem by the prophet Jeremiah. He really is talking about God's wrath executed on the people for their unbelief. All right, I'm only going to ha- give you a total of four fifty, and I have one minute to guess round three. Your single word clue is grandmother. Grandmother. Oh, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Where is grandmother in the Bible? Hmm. <laughs> in the genealogies of Matthew, perhaps, or <laughs> Genesis? Uh, <laughs> Once I say it, you're going to be like this. Oh, oh I should have got it. Grandmother. Our listeners are guessing right they're, now. They're, they're yelling right now what the answer really? is. Don't you know? Hey, what's, you what's know your uh, login on Facebook? I'll ask our listeners. <laughs> Um, well, I don't got a lot of you might be a sacerdotalist answers here. Um, okay, I don't know. I'm g- I'm just gonna have to guess. I'm trying to get is it like Esther or Ruth or again, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards one of those geolo- genealogy books like Matthew or Genesis, but it usually goes that down the patriarchs, not the uh, okay. What the heck? What's uh, gospel according to St. Matthew? It's Second Timothy one five. Ah, oh, yes. 
that dwelt first in you, in your mother, grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice. That's it. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points... Well, Pastor, thanks for listening to this Pastor edition. Line doesn't Table have any points. <laughs> Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult. We don't even know about points around Talk here. Radio. Side effects may like people's points are like my tabling of points. to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.